I love Tracy, and um, she's hosting my good friend Patricia King coming. When is that? February the 11th. 11th. So Patricia King will be here as well. If you don't know her XP Media, you can look her up. I wanted to, on the resource table, there'll be little business cards, and myownart.com is a dream interpreting website. So you're welcome to open a free online journal there and save all your dreams, record them, and if you get prophetic words or whatever, you can put that there. We're getting ready to go through a revamping on the website, so it's going to be even better than what it's been for the last... 10 years or so we've had it and interpreted thousands and thousands of dreams and those of you who are really already skilled interpreters you might be interested in looking on there to see if you could be one that can help us to interpret dreams because we get dreams all the time all day all night and so we're always interpreting dreams I just got back from Colorado where they, they had flown in some businessmen with their wives to this wonderful lodge in the mountains someone had to do it Tracy uh, <laughs> and I was expecting that I January next year they've already rebooked me so we'll plan it. I'll carry your legs. Yes, good. It was wonderful, but you know God is opening up huge doors and especially in the secular realm. That's where I've been asking Him to take me. Take me to the secular realm. I love the church. I've been raised in the church. I have a full time ministry for the church. But there's most of you guys are saved. I wouldn't say all of you are. Most of you are, and so, but most of them in the world are not, so that's where I want to go to. And while we were eating over dinner, one of the musicians, his name is uh, Michael Farron, maybe you know him, he's the one that wrote the song, Let It Rain, Open the Windows of Heaven, uh, he was there, and he said one of the other artists in Tennessee were, t are we streaming or anything? No. no. Not live. Okay, good. I didn't want to stream all over the world with stuff like this but um he has an opportunity to be the worship leader at a living dead have you i've not even seen this there's a tv show where people walk around like zombies like is it called the living dead the walking dead okay is that what it is yeah, i'm not a tv watcher you can tell the walking dead they did one and they had over ten thousand people show up there well it's almost splitting marriages and it's splitting churches because some of the church thinks yes this is the harvest we should go some of the church says no we should stay away and boycott it but i'm part of the church that says yes this is the harvest we should go and i said i want to go and bring a dream team so i said do we need to dress up <laughs> because I'm thinking how do you when you're alive you know and I don't know I'm not you know I can do regular makeup but I don't know how to do the you know tumor scab eye missing makeup but I could learn I'm a quick learn I could do this and drag a leg or something you know just so I could be effective so we're looking forward to that but while I'm extending these kind of things when we take trips like that I want dream interpreters to go with me so if you're a walking dead person and you're that's really a fan thing that you have and you'd like to do I think it's going to be in Chicago this next time and they're expecting over 10,000 dead people there so we can resurrect a lot of them And that's always my goal, to raise the dead. And how many of you have ever had dreams of raising the dead? Yeah, it, all, it usually happens in your dream life first. 
and after that it becomes real. So I've been praying, Lord, I want to resurrect the dead. We were driving to a TV interview in somewhere, some state, and we pulled off to get gas and looked in the parking lot, and there was a man. It was a cold day like today, but he was in his shorts laying on the cement out in the parking lot with a crowd of people around him. So I grabbed my anointing oil. Dun, da, da, da. You should always carry anointing oil. Hmm. You never know when you're going to have a dead person around. So I went up to him and found him, and a team comes with me. And I said, oh, God, this is it. I'm going to get to resurrect the dead. I'm so excited. But he wasn't dead yet. You know, that Monty Python thing. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> well, you almost are. And he almost was. He was like a gray ashen color. You know, and he had had a heart attack. And so we were calling 911, bring an ambulance. So in the meantime, I lay hands, anoint him with oil, lay my hands on him and start rebuking death, speaking to his heart to function. Well, his color comes back. He's all pink and rosy. And, and I was mad. <laughs> I had an opportunity, and I blew it. If you're going to raise the dead, lesson number one, let them die first. You can't raise a dead person who is almost dead. You know, but God's a God of the first and the second, third chance. And so I've had several other opportunities. I was checking into the Hilton to speak for the full gospel business full gospel businessmen's meeting and the la some lady comes charging up to the front desk and she says um, my husband just passed out in the elevator he's having a heart attack and I was so happy <laughs> so I'm in high heels and a little dress and I click off to the thing you know I've got the oil in hand I'm going to do it right this time but they already had this big old muscle guy I mean he must have been some kind of, you know, he was, he was either a doctor or a paramedic or something because he was, you know, reading all his vitals, telling me, did you take this medication? Did you do this? Did you do that? How does this feel? What's your pulse like? What would you eat for breakfast? And I just walked in, bumped him out of the way and said, <laughs> I figured he needed a little bit of a jolt to get the heart going again. And how's your pulse feeling? Doesn't get it when someone dying. And, he, and so he let me shun die on him for a while. <clears throat> the wife was happy. The man was happy because life started coming back into him. But the guy who was doing the pulse thing was not happy with me. And so he goes, hey, look here lady, I need to do what I need to do. And I said, I do too. Sometimes you have to be bold as a lion. When someone's lingering between life and death, it's not the time to go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a woman, I'll step aside. <laughs> no, when you have the power of life and death in your mouth and the anointing in your hands, you're more important than the guy taking the whatever this is. So I held on, kept praying until I felt the anointing discharge into him and I knew he was okay. And all this started through a dream I had. I was taken to a place in my dream, and there were three bodies laying there on this, you know, like a bench thing they'd put them on. All their friends there were grieving over them. And it was a very sad situation. I walk in, and the Lord speaks to me. He says, their spirit has not ascended to heaven yet. 
Well, you know, when it talks about Lazarus, it was four days after he had died when Jesus resurrected him. That's because in the Hebraic culture, it is tradition and it's taught that the spirit lingers at least around three days, but after four days, it is impossible to raise somebody. And with the people that I know that have prayed for people to be resurrected from the dead that have not, it's because once the Spirit gets to heaven, do they want to come back? Yep. No. And they have a choice. So they don't want to. But in this case, the Spirit had not ascended into heaven. The Lord told me, He said, the spirits are still in the room. I want you to command the Spirit back into the body. So you know your spirit man is here. This is your spirit man. So he had me walk over to the first body, lay my hand on him. This is all in a dream. He's teaching me how to raise the dead. That's why I failed a couple times, but eventually I'm going to get it right. So maybe tonight is the night. <laughs> so I lay my hand on this first dead body's stomach, and a ghost skeleton comes floating over the body, perfectly aligns with it, and sinks back into the body. And the man gasps, <gasps> and sits up. Now that could freak somebody out. <laughs> you know, Smith Wigglesworth used to go into funerals, grab them out of the coffins. He was a big guy. Slam them up against the wall. You've got to visualize this. Their sweet Sally Sue or your little aunt or maybe it's your grandmother or some little petite somebody or whatever. Big old burly plumber comes in with, the, you know, how they dress. So he's walking down the aisle dressed in his plum fatigue, slams your relative up on the wall and says, live, and the corpse falls on its face. Well, that doesn't stop him. He's probably having to pull people off with this arm, pick them up with that arm. But it tells us in the Bible that we have to learn how to work with both hands when we're building walls. You know, they, they had a weapon in one hand and a hammer in the other. Well, he's plumbing tools with one, knocking the people off and picking the body back up, slamming them on the wall. But on the third time, when he let go, the body lived. We're talking embalmed bodies. God wants to resurrect the dead. Amen. And he's given us dreams that are going to teach us how to do it. Well, you know the way the church has always been. If the leader resurrects the first, they say, now you stay seated. Because I have two more bodies to do. Watch me. And you go to the next one, you lay hands on, and the spirit comes and goes in. But that's not what happened in this dream. He said, you're not to raise the rest of them. They saw how you did it. Now let them raise the other two. It's about time, huh? Where we can get off the bench and start engaging and doing the stuff that we were created to do. I mean, there's so much learning you can do, and then you got to engage and do the stuff. I was transported geographically out of that dream into another state where there were some more dead people because there's not a shortage and they've got TV shows on them now. So pretty soon they're going to be walking around and we're going to be able to raise them and raise them and raise them and raise them but the thing is they already are walking around. If you think about the titles of that TV show, if they don't know Jesus they're already walking around dead. And it's time for us to help them out a little bit.
like Tracy said, I have tons of resources, and one of them is a Waking Words of Ancient Wisdom card. And this, all this stuff is on my table, and if you don't want to get it tonight, um, tomorrow, sometime, go to the website and get it. Sign up for my own or your dream journal. Onar is a Greek word that means dream, so it's my dream, my onar, my dream. And there are five onar dreams in the book of Matthew, and they have angelic encounter in them. So lots of action, vision things happen in an onar dream. They're amazing. But this simple card is just the Genesis to Revelation, chapter and verse combinations of times that you can wake up. So if you woke up at 6.11 in the morning... See if we've got a little marker here. I was in uh, Wyoming teaching a class, and a gentleman had just gotten out of, I guess they're still gentlemen if they've gotten out of prison. <laughs> he woke up at 6.11 in the morning. Let me tell you his dream, because I think it'll help it connect. He was in a prison cell, and there was an angel in the cell with him, and the angel told him, he said, I want you to command those prison doors to open. Well, he was like a lot of us, and we think, well, oh, that'll work for Tracy. That would work for Patricia King or Benny Hinn or somebody else who's great and anointed. But what if I command the prison doors to come open and they don't? And the angel again said, no, command the doors to come open. And so the man very sheepishly says, doors come open and the doors fly open. Dream changes. He's back in prison again. This time, the angel is there with him, and he says, command the doors to open, command the chains to come off the prisoners that were in there with him, and all the stones that are covering over their back, big boulders that were on their back. So he said, well, it worked the first time. Maybe I'll try it, and it'll work this time. So he says, doors come open, chains come off of them, and prisoners be free from all that weight that is on you. Well, he wakes up at 6.11 in the morning. So he tells me the dream. And one thing that God always wants to do, important things for you to remember, is title your dream. So you're going to want to title it. This one was called Prison Doors. He awakes at 6.11 a.m. It was on January, very March, April. If that's for me, just tell them I'm not talking right now. <laughs> I think it was the 27th. Okay, and that's going to translate into 427. And so I'm thinking through the scripture because the Lord looks over his word to perform it. It doesn't say I watch over my dream to perform it. So when you have a dream, you need to connect a word to it so that you have a weapon and some leverage. So I'm scanning through the scripture thinking about what verse fits that context. Does anybody have an idea what verse would fit that context of that dream? Opening prison doors. Okay, Paul and Silas when they were singing at night. Okay, but I wonder if those scripture references don't match with 611. So we need to find something that has a 611 or what ended up happening was it was a 61-1. We had to move the colon. Now what scripture is that? Isaiah. Isaiah. Okay, so Isaiah. And when you have large numbers like this, when you move the colon it becomes a large number. Default to your Isaiahs and your Psalms. Because most of the time, bigger numbers are going to be found there. 
So this one would be in Luke. It mirrors this scripture. The day that he had it and the time that he awakened were the same scripture. Now tell me God's not big. And so he was already confirming. The Bible says that we should have everything confirmed with a witness of two. Heaven is one witness. Earth is the other. But also we had New Testament, Old Testament witness. And so you, his dream was awesome. And it was very easy to find. But there are also a lot of other combinations that you can go through on this card. Um, Genesis has 22 verses. So it's chapter 6 has 22 verses. So is 611 there? Yes, because 11 is less than 22. So I could go to Genesis, and I would read there and see what Genesis says. Then I would go to Exodus. Exodus has 30 verses. Chapter 6 has 30 verses, so 611 would be there. And so you go through every scripture combination and you read them. The ones that the Holy Spirit bears witness, the rhema comes, that it applies to your dream. I write it in my journal along with that dream. Now I have biblical foundation and scriptural precedent in order for that dream to come true. And the great thing about it is you're going to be able to scan through the Bible very quickly from Old Testament to New Testament. And you're going to have a New Testament, Old Testament survey of those chapters. And then as you walk through the week, you have all that scripture going through you. Some of them may not apply to you, but they will apply to somebody that you meet that week. And you will already have the word bank in order to empower them to do the things that they're called to do. So this this is an easy way to study the Bible, and it, you do it, you're going to do it by revelation knowledge. So I'm going to get. Do you have this? There you go, darling. You can say darling if you live in Texas. <laughs> darling. All right. And I'm not even a native Texan. I'm a transplant. I'm a third generation native Floridian. <laughs> but I got here as soon as I could. This is um, my, the first book that I've written on dreams. And this is, a, uh, you don't like to say a lot of great things about your own book. But um, I'll just say, quote James Gall. James Gall said he's read over 200 dream books. And he'd put mine at the top four. And I said, well, James, don't you have two or three dream books of your own? So at least I made the top. And uh, Chuck Pierce did the foreword on this. And it's a great book that's going to teach you about dreams, visions, translations, transportation, the angelic realm, anything, numbers, colors, and dreams, because all those different aspects, you need to know how to put the different components together. Because all of it is important and it's in your dream for a specific reason. So this will be a great tool that's going to help you with that. This one is called Gateway to the Seer Realm, which is my favorite book. Um, Chuck Pierce also did the foreword in this one. James Gall, Sid Roth endorsed it. Several other, Patricia King, different ones. But this is the one that we're in a season of the seer now. We've already gone four years into it.
So I hope that in this last four years, your dreams have increased, your vision realm, your angelic encounters, your ability to see past the natural into the divine supernatural and is increasing. It should be because God is focusing on that for this next six-year cycle that we're in. So it'll be a complete 10-year cycle. So the seer anointing is being featured by heaven. And so he's breathing upon the earth, ability for us to see beyond. Uh, Chuck Pierce, this weekend, starting, well, it started tonight. I opted out to come here um, to see you guys. Um, it's, it, so he's, it started tonight, and it's called Look Again. I'll be speaking there tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, and then our dream teams will be there. So if you want to hang out with the dream teams, it's a free event just need to register and you can come by the tables and say you know I want to learn how to interpret or get my dreams interpreted so it's on uh, I-35 South in Corinth at the Global Fear Center I think it's 7801 South I-35 but it took me an hour and a half to get here so don't ask me directions (laughs) I'm not good with them (laughs) Oh, me. Okay, let's talk about names and dreams. Um, When people appear in your dreams, sometimes it is that person. Okay, because Jesus holds the death, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So he can send anybody or allow anybody he wants to come into your dream. That means whether they're already gone into heaven, they can come back as part of the great cloud of witnesses. My father visits in my dreams to give me wisdom because it's easier for me to see him in the dream than my heavenly father come in with all his magnitude and glory. Can you imagine God squeezing into your dream? You know? So he takes a form of a face or a person that we know a lot of times and he will speak through that form or that image rather than himself trying to squeeze into us. Holy Spirit is in us all the time, but Father God's really big. But anyway, the name book that we recommend is this one called by Dorothy Asteria. The reason I recommend it is because it has a spiritual connotation that goes with the name, and it also has a scripture verse that goes with the name. We're all about word. You want word, you want word, you want word. The more scripture you have, the more it renews your mind, the more it strengthens your spirit, and the more power you possess. So you want word in every way that you can get it. So if a person appears in your dream, um, let's just pick out, let's see what Tracy's name means. L-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S-T. I used to be a kindergarten teacher because I didn't want to, I knew fifth graders knew more than I did. (laughs) She kept trying to promote me, you know, and then that TV show comes out, do you know as much as a fifth grader? I go, no, that's why I'm teaching kindergarten. (laughs) All right, Tracy's main name means warrior or noble spirit. So the spiritual connotation of her name, the inherent meaning is warrior, The spiritual connotation is a noble spirit. So Tracy comes into your dream. God could be speaking to you about your relationship with Tracy. Maybe you've gotten into some division. Maybe you're a little jealous of her. Or maybe you admire her. You have to discern, why did Tracy appear into my dream? Or it could be the meaning of her name, that God is bringing a visitation to you of a noble spirit and making you into a warrior or a woman or a person of strength, a leader, 
And so she's chosen as a symbol to come into your dream because that's what her name means. Her scripture verse is 2 Corinthians 8.21. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to know we are honorable. So it speaks of a person who has honor and integrity and a person of character. And see, she was named that, and God has made her into what her name is. So when we are born, the names that we choose for our children, our pets, our whatever, our businesses, our ministries, our cars. Someone asked me what I was going to name my car. I said, I don't know. Paid for, I guess. <laughs> you know? I hadn't thought about it. I certainly don't want to call it a girl's name. And then, you know, I didn't think George had the ring I was looking for, so I haven't come up with a name yet. But names are extremely important, and they are so in your dreams. The people who come into your dreams are bringing gifts, they're bringing anointings, they're bringing influence, but you know, need to know how to tap into those things so that you can apprehend everything that comes. Um, the people, whether you know them or not, a lot of times you're going to meet some Somebody for the first time in the realm of the spirit coming into your dream before you meet them in a natural relationship here on earth. I was in St. Simon's and I went up to this woman who I knew. I had spent time with her. I knew what her car looked like. I knew what her house looked like. We had done events together. I knew her. She had never met me or seen me in my life. And I was freaking her out. We're going down the line, and I'm talking to her about, oh, yeah, remember when we were this, and remember when we were that, and da-da-da-da-da, and your house looked like this, and she's going, look here, lady, I don't know you, I've never met you, and then I realized what had happened. I had met her in a vision, so the things had already happened for me, had not happened for her, but since then, the things that had already happened for me has happened for both of us, because God quickened time and caught us up, and we've done those things. But I had already lived it. And see, that's the thing about the spirit realm or dreams or visions. It's already happened for you. Now you just have to wait till things catch up and manifest. Because God's aligned you for success before it's happened, so you know how to walk the matter out. The neat thing about this podium, I kept seeing a podium, and I was thinking I was seeing what was going to happen at Gloria Zion tomorrow, but it was what's happening here. And so a lot of times when you see something before you get somewhere, you just have to wait and see how things line up and manifest. When I was praying for some of the businessmen, the Lord would show me a vision of what was going to happen, and then I would just wait for the weekend for when those things began to align. And if they were getting ready to do something at the couch, and I had seen it happen maybe around the piano, I would just make a suggestion, hey, why don't we all just move over to the piano? <laughs> because that's where heaven is. <laughs> you know, that's where the anointing is going to take place. I knew if we stayed in the couch area, it wasn't going to happen like I'd seen it happen. So you have to orchestrate sometimes to make things happen that you have already seen come into being. That's why the Lord tells us, he says, write down your dreams to make them plain. So that he who receives the vision can then run with it. Because we're in a season of acceleration. I got the opportunity to travel with Patricia King for two weeks, and we went to Australia and New Zealand. But when I got there, my luggage had not arrived. 
So I had one suitcase. Thank God it had the makeup in it. <laughs> but it was only part. They had to, I went to Target and had to buy foundation and hairbrushes and curling irons. And, you know, they, I think the airlines would give me $100. And ladies, you know, that doesn't go far when it comes to buying the whole cosmetic package. So, and I had to wear tennis shoes. So I got to the meeting and I'm on stage in front of probably 600 people, maybe a little bit more. I was excited because um, Gianna Cheon and James Gall both were going to be at this conference. Well, they both canceled. So I got slotted into one of their positions to speak. So I'm up there with tennis shoes and the Lord begins to speak to me and he says, this is a sign. He said, because I'm going to cause a white kangaroo to be born in Australia. And, and, and you're going to prophesy it. I'm like, no, I'm not. They'll think I'm crazy. They, aren't, they come in brown. <laughs> but he was like, yes, you are. You're going to prophesy it. So, and then I began to research it. And did you know they even have a, a brand name, white tennis shoes, called kangaroo? You know, so everything God does, he has a method to his, his brilliance. <laughs> so I'm on stage. He's talking to me about these tennis shoes. He says, you're going to talk to them about running and, and about a white kangaroo being born. Well, someone just emailed me about a white moose right before I went to Colorado. Was born, big old thing, white moose. There's been a white deer, and of course, you know, the white rabbit with Alice that's been around forever. <laughs> but God began to compare the size of a rabbit's back legs to the kangaroo's back legs. And in dream life, when you look at the thigh or you look at the upper leg or you look at those two animals and their power to leap, it speaks about a leap of faith. And he said, I'm going to cause a move of God to come, and it'll come through a demonstration of fire, and there'll be a tangible fire cloud that will be released in this area, in Australia, and that will signify that I'm going to confirm this. So I prophesy. Well, the next day, fires broke out around the conference. They still haven't, I haven't been emailed about a white kangaroo, but if you guys ever Google it and you find it, please find me. Because it's going to happen. I don't know what the gestation period of a kangaroo is, but it's coming. So God does things, and see if we speak it, a doorway opens, a gateway opens. In Hebrews it says that the worlds are framed by words. And so God uses words, and that's the interpretation of a dream or a prophetic word that he speaks to you. So very important, who interprets your dream? Don't give it to Susie Bucketmouth and say, hey, give me, give me what you think this means. A lot of times we've had people submit a dream to my owner who have already gotten a terrible interpretation from one of their best friends or a cousin or whoever. And so they think, mm. one of them had accused a son of being a homosexual. And so her, she says, I'm so distressed. I'm submitting this dream to you because they said that my son's a homosexual because of the dream that he had. And we have created a thing that helps with the sexual things. Can I say sex in, in church? Yeah. Sex. <laughs> Dream sexology is a tool that I created. One, because I never got to go to the restroom at dream training classes because the women would follow me into the bathroom going, I had a dream, I had a dream, and I couldn't talk about it in front of everybody because I was naked in the dream. 
And so I, I used to just go and try to stick my feet up on the seat because they would look under the stall doors and pick out my shoes and go, I know you're in there, I see your shoes. So I thought I've got to do something. So I created this, which is Dream Sexology, and it deals with all the body parts that are personal. But a lot of times, dreams about being naked or in bathrooms. How many have had bathroom dreams? Tons of them. Everyone does. It's a cleansing dream that God is taking the spiritual toxins out of us. And they're brushing your teeth, you're using the bath, everything's overflowing in the toilet area. And so that means that a lot of times the people you're connected to or the people that you're attending church or wherever are not able to help you through a situation that you need cleansing or deliverance from. So this is a great tool. You can get it off the table if you'd like, or you can call the office, or you can order it online, and we will mail it to you in a brown paper bag. <laughs> no one will ever know unless you tell them. And you must be 18 to peek in the covers. <laughs> it's so funny because I do conferences all the time at Chuck Pierce's place, and I watch these same several men. They always come to the table, and they... <laughs> but they never buy it. I think it's just they like to come read it. So 18 or older, or parental consent, you can have this one. But um, God is doing wonderful things. So look at the symbolism that's coming in your life and in your dreams, because your symbolism is going to be different than anybody else's symbolism. That's why we have to have the Holy Spirit to interpret the dream for us. But we're entering into a time when God is removing the veils from us so that we can begin to look again at things. And a lot of our dreams that we've had in years past have been delayed. So I would encourage you to go back to those dreams and revisit them. Just because they haven't manifested yet doesn't mean they're not going to happen. And I have a stack of prophetic words and dreams and different things. I keep them by my bed at night. And when I can't sleep or before I go to sleep, I will read through some and I will remind the Lord of what he has said and things that he's going to do for me that he's already promised. Because he hasn't forgotten, but he wants us to remind him of those things so that he can go through with those. These, there are other volumes that I've done, volumes, there are six of them all together. You can get all six for 150 But this is a neat little one. When will my dreams come true? And this one has the Haggai in it where it talks about how to write the vision down to make it come plain. But it also has a bunch of dream nuggets to help you with your interpreting and skills. And one of the, my favorite cards that's in here is what I call the echelons of revelation. I went through the Bible and picked out all the supernatural stuff, like translating. Yeah. So I love that kind of thing. Or walking through walls. I haven't been able to do that yet. I have tried a few times, but <laughs> my faith level has to get up a little bit bigger. Or transporting. You know, when we read about all those things that happen, it happened in the Old Testament. You know, the guy comes up to the prophet and he says, yeah, go tell the king I'm here. And he goes, yeah, right, no way I'm doing that because you'll transport somewhere else and then the king gets here and you're nowhere to be found. Well, I'm thinking that with gas prices, we need to learn to do that. It 
took me an hour and a half to get here, and I just live in North Richland Hills. I could have just gone, beam me up, <laughs> boom, and then I'd have just materialized right here in front of y'all, right in the middle of the worship service, and then if I need to go somewhere else, beam me up, and off I'd go down to Corinth, because that's where I am in the morning. So, you know, we need to learn how to maneuver those things. Jesus didn't know how to walk on the water until he needed to. He went up onto the mountain and began to pray. And in the fourth watch of the night, revelation knowledge comes to him. And I imagine it came in a vision. It doesn't say, but I'm thinking I'd want visual on that demonstration, wouldn't you? Go ahead, son, just step out on the water. It'll be okay. Well, show me how, Dad. Well, just take one step and then just take another. Oh, okay, I got it now. <laughs> You know, but it's our perception that needs to change. How did the disciples perceive Jesus as he came to them? What do they think he was? A ghost. They're horrified. Here comes God of the universe walking upon the water doing a super magnificent miracle, and the church thinks he's a ghost, screaming, Ah! Only one out of the twelve. Peter, he'll test the water a little. One person was willing to get out of the boat. But that's, see, we have to remember the remnant are the ones that are going to do the supernatural. They're the ones that are willing to jump out. Maybe that's a ghost. Maybe it's not. If it's a ghost, it'll be the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to walk with him. And so he's, they're excited about that. So he's out of the water, and he, then he sinks. But it's the perception that the church has, the believers have, God's all about them. See, perception has to do with our vision realm. And so God is about the seer realm being released, to change our perception. Because if we can dream it, if we can see it, we can be it. And so our dreams are scripting us, and a lot of times it is a re-scripting that is taking place, removing the old, and a lot of old structures are leaving. New ways are coming in, and it's not going to be gospel as usual. It's going to be the kingdom gospel with power and demonstration. With the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the encounters taking place. We interpreted a, dream, a man's dream in the last place I was. I hate saying states because sometimes I get hate letter from people going, I recognized myself. Well, they're usually stalkers that say that, though. <laughs> Not then. My reply is always, well, then stop stalking me. <laughs> it's creepy. He came up, and he had had uh, all these different dreams about being locked in a prison, and God says, well, just set him free. And it was neat, because the people in there, we'd released the seer anointing, and they saw the spirit leaving when God set him free, and it was so easy. There was no screaming, clawing, breathing, vomiting, barfing into a paper bag, none of that. Just took a deep breath, breathed out the ugly, and then breathed in Holy Spirit. See, he shows us how to do stuff in our dreams, how to advance and how to become successful. So there's lots of neat things that will take place, but... This one also has definitions of things like trances and a seer. What is the mind's eye? The discerning of spirits. You know, the discerning of spirits can also train you to see anointings on people, giftings. It's not just about discerning whether it's a demon or an angel. What kind of angel is it? 
what kind of anointing is it? And so it's an awesome ability to start going through and discerning those things and letting the Lord show us. And your dreams are, is, your, is your training ground. You're going to sleep one-third of your life. So God's speaking to you in your dream, equipping you for destiny and aligning you for purpose. So it's just like Solomon. He goes to bed one way. God visits him in the dream. When he wakes up, he's the smartest guy around. I'm thinking, pick me. Pick me. I'm next. Do me. But see, if you see it in the Bible, then our job is to pray and ask for it. And one of the things the Lord did show me, he told me, he said, wisdom is not found on the earth. So I'm thinking, well, great, I'm never going to stumble into it then. He goes, no, it's found in the subliminal range. It's in transition. How many of you have been in transition? Hello? He's giving us wisdom. In the spirit realm, as you transition from one realm to the next... That's the, the realm of the spirit where wisdom is to take you to the next place. But you have to leave the old to get to the new. And you have to go through the dangle process of, I don't know what I'm doing, never been here before, don't know what I'm, can't, oh my God, there it is, oh, phew, thank you. That's where the wisdom comes in. So it's complete trust. And he said, by the time we reach the gates of hell... There will be no enemy left in us because we would have discerned them all and we would have had them all cast out of us. It's just like when Jesus got to the garden, he said, there is no enemy in me. The devil is coming, but he has nothing in me. Dreams do that. They take out the darkness. When Holy Spirit came and hovered over the earth, he took something that was dark, formless, and void and he brought it into perfect alignment. He took out darkness, injected light, and that's what vision is. That's what dreams are. They are the light of God coming into you into a picture form where you can watch it play out on a movie screen. You interact in it. You do it. It reprograms you. It puts a script in your mind. Your brain records everything that you see happening in the dream, and then you walk it out. Job 33 talks about a sealed dream. God seals dreams to see if we'll seek the matter out. It tells us in Proverbs 25.2, It's the glory of the king to conceal it, but it's the glory of kings to search the matter out. If we don't search out the interpretation of a dream that has come, whether it's a sealed dream or any other type of dream, we don't search it out, we never benefit from it, and the Lord will not allow us to gain that understanding. We delay or we stunt our, our spiritual growth. That's one of the reasons dreams have been delayed. Because we haven't sought the face as much as we sought the hand. And so he wants to know us like he knew Moses face to face. You know, I used to be so jealous of Moses. I thought, man, he had it all. He had his face glowing and all that kind of good stuff. And the Lord says, what are you talking about, Barbie? I said, well, you met with him face to face. He goes, I meet with you too. Every night I come visit you face to face in your dreams. See, we look at the characters in the Bible and we think they were so spectacular and wonderful. But you know what? He saved the best for last. We're the generation that's going to do the greater works. 
We're the generation that will raise the dead and will move in the creative realm of miracles. In a in, translation experience, I was taken into the heavens because I asked to be. That's all you have to do, ask. And it happens. When we have worship services like you have this awesome services, just say, beam me up while they're finishing up. <laughs> when they're done, just teleport back and you're ready to begin this service. Or just stay up there. I always beg to stay up there and he always says, no, it's not your time yet. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and I forgot what I was saying now. Stay up there. Stay up there. Huh? We'd like to. Transport. Transport, translate. Why was I even saying that? <laughs> oh, that's right. What part of it? You know, I think this is like a senior moment. <laughs> or I could say, oh, I'm going into a trance. <laughs> but that would be a lie. And you don't lie in church. <laughs> so... Translated into the heavens. Oh, creative miracles. That's what it was. And I asked the angels, because, you know, when you get to heaven, there's another protocol. It's that you're always going to be escorted by angels. And just like Tracy has spoken about the angels that were here tonight, there's been a changing of the guards. The angels that have brought you this far have been replaced. And you've got state-of-the-art angels now. Bigger gifting more qualifications, bigger anointings, because they're taking us into the greater works era. So when I was up there, I asked the angels, how do, do you want to know how you tap into creative miracles? Or maybe you guys already know. That's what I wanted to know, because I thought, you know, when are the real big things going to happen? And so she said it's a baptism. He said, the angel said it. And they don't say. When you say, they say, they don't say. They talk to you through the spirit, through mind. You're totally known up there. They know you. You know them. They have a thought. You know what they thought. You have a thought. They know what you thought. So you very, you know, go up there with a renewed mind. Because if you don't think right, oh, you're in heaven. I can't believe you thought that. <laughs> so I was up there thinking about the creative realm and they said it happens through a baptism of love how many of you know when Song of Solomon was featured just recently the book of John and Song of Solomon has been highlighted because of the banner of love being released over the body so he's pouring out more of the anointing of love because it's love that brings the creative realm for God so loved the world. That means the cosmos. So if it, that doesn't mean just people. Cosmos is water, wind, fire, trees. You know, we always think of the tree huggers. But they've got something there. <laughs> when Jesus took all the fishermen to the wedding with him, and they drank up all the wine... His mom comes to him and says, you need to do something about this. He goes, it's not my time. So she prophesies. She looks into heaven, sees the timing, begins to prophesy his not time into time. Because in the realm of the spirit, there is no time. You can go into future. You can go into past. She prophesies his future into his now. And he speaks to the water. 
when they fill the containers. Because of the love in him, water listened and the molecular structure changed and it became wine. So your spirit man is always whole. If people are missing limbs, their spirit arm is still there. So if we love them enough and we operate in love, we can begin to speak to the cellular structure of their bone, muscle, nerves, endings, and watch that arm refill itself to where they have a flesh arm again. When I was in heaven, translated out of a dream experience, I was sleeping in church. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best sleep you'll get. <laughs> I used to fight it, you know, when you do the head snap. <laughs> Not anymore. I hurt myself too many times. I just lean into it. I fold my arms, get comfortable, and try not to snore. But I saw stadiums filled with the glory cloud. Masses of people. Tons of ambulances outside. People laid out that were dead up near the stage on stretchers. People missing limbs. And then normal, everyday people like you and me were going around speaking to an arm and it grew. Eyeballs were popping into sockets. The dead were raising. The glory cloud, just like the one that came on the mount with Moses and Israel all stood back. The glory cloud came in a stadium and he would with lightnings and thunders and angels descending and ascending, would sweep over a whole audience of people. And there was a voice on a microphone connecting because I knew word of knowledge. Anointing is here for cancer, for diabetes, for leukemia, for whatever disease it was. Connect, release your faith now. Masses were being healed. As it went across the stadium, it rest at the top of the stadium. They would empty it because everybody there was healed. Did not matter whether they were dead or what. Emptied the stadium. Ushered in a whole new stadium. But I, my question is, why that? Why was there a mass problem? Was there an atomic explosion? Was there what caused that type of devastation to have to have that type of mass healing and restoration? But the church was ready. The church was armed. Everybody was on deck releasing miracles. And so when you enter into a dream, don't just think, oh, this is just a dream. That is a gateway. It's a gateway to the seer realm where you can begin to look at this nation, that nation, into heaven, onto earth, and anywhere you have visibility. Nothing is contained or hidden. So God is able to give you secrets. You know, the prophets are his friends, so he shares his secrets with them. He won't do anything on earth except he first show it to the prophets. And so when I ever look in the scripture and I always see anything in there, I say, Lord, I want that. I encourage you. I carry an anointing called the hog anointing. 
I encourage everyone to be an anointing hog. If you've heard of it, seen it, read about it, dreamed about it, or someone's told you about it, ask for it. In the book of John it says, up to this time you have asked nothing in my name. Can you imagine? I've asked for some great things. But as far as God is concerned, the magnitude of what the church has asked him for to this point is nothing. He said, ask that your joy may become full. And so he wants us to begin to ask for great and powerful, mighty things. 